Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped him in the corner. All right, here we go. Episode 27 of Not Another Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy at McCarthy 95 at Ken Stapon and our special guest Ross Levitan at Send Central. Uh, before we get into the pod, a reminder that Not Another Leafs podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It's not quite time for the madness that is college basketball in March, but that doesn't mean the fun has to wait. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is giving all players the chance to cash in $100 New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it, you rain cash $100 worth. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer being made by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100. That sounds like a no-brainer. This slam dunk offer won't be around forever, so head to the App Store now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get in on all the action. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its customers since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code THPN for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Michigan, or Virginia. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Virginia, call 888-532-3500. Gentlemen, what's popping this morning? What's happening, boys? Ross, thanks for joining us. I don't think you've been on since prior to the season. I think we had you on prior to the season opener. Yeah, it was. I bullied my way on. I was just chatting with Kenny this morning and thought, what better way? I was producing the game at 10.50 last night, and wow, the Jason Spezza show. Hey, three assists, two of them primary, and it was really that span of 4.05 in the second period that pulled them ahead. 
Yeah, and here we are, episode 27, Kenny, and uh, we'll call it the Daryl Sittler edition. He once scored 10 points in a game. Remember that, boys? I think the Leafs could have had 8 or 10 last night with the flurry of chances they had, but a staple, staple win to, to finish off the sweep. Well, let's not forget as well that there was that game earlier in the season. I believe it was when the Oilers were playing the Flames where Connor and Dreisaitl both popped off for six, seven points a pop. So that makes it even more impressive looking at this three-game stretch by the Maple Leafs where they hold the tandem to one point. Leon Dreisaitl was the only one of the two to get one point in a three-game stretch. And they, and they outscore Edmonton 13-1 to in three games. This was an Edmonton team that was steamrolling into this series against the Leafs. I believe they'd won 8 of 9, 11 of 13 coming into this series, and Toronto just shut them down. Like This was such an impressive three-game set for me. They do it with three different goaltenders. They do it with Hutchinson, Campbell, and they get Anderson back last night. They're able to do it without Austin Matthews in the lineup last game. I like I'm speechless, BMAC. This is the most impressive hockey that I've seen this team play, likely in my lifetime, and certainly this season. They just continue to impress not only with the way that they're able to put the puck in the back of the net, as we've seen over past seasons, but their commitment to the defensive game, which was apparent as they shut down two of the best players in the league last night. I think this was the equivalent of rolling with your three hot arms prior to the division series and and getting the sweep. And and not to say that Michael Hutchinson is a, is a top arm or top reliever. I'm making way too many uh, similarities to hockey and baseball now, but man, just as you said, I think you were talking about this last night too, Kenny. I mean, they could have easily just kind of taken their foot off the gas pedal, went in the cruise control because they could have, afforded, could, have, could have afforded that loss last night. But the only snippet of compete level I saw from the Oilers was the first couple minutes of the first period. Other than that, it was all Leafs. And Dave Tippett uh, alluded to this too. He just said we had zero compete level. Zero. Not what you want to hear out of the coach. Yeah, I just want to touch on what you said at the start there, BMAC, that yeah. – Edmonton came up flying. Shots were 7-1 early, and Anderson had to make a few really nice saves. I think he calmed the team down. You hear uh, Matthews calling him Fred Zilla after yeah. the game. That, that's a Another new nickname. one for him. But, uh, no, he was awesome back there. And Also, I know at this point the score is more out of reach at 5-1 heading into the third period, but there were two or three 10-bell saves, two of them on breakaways that Anderson made. That I mean, he, he's, he's probably a second or third star of that game, and you don't often say that in such a blowout. No, I thought Freddie was really impressive. And like you said, when you have a little bit of time off, it takes a little bit. Oftentimes you see a goaltender come in and it takes a little bit of time to shake off the rust. Ross, you know this as a former goaltender. But Anderson was able to get out of that first 10 minutes scot-free. And I thought he played a really strong game, especially into the third period where he he was up to the task. to yeah. made a number of good saves late in the game to keep the lead what it was and really put the Oilers to bed. Because, uh, you know, when you're getting trying to get cooking offensively and you can't get anything past this guy. Eventually it's just demoralizing. And for me, the Oilers at the end of the second period, after they sort of took that penalty going into the third and they were just kind of skating around with no energy, there was no enthusiasm on the bench. They just looked like a team that was dead to rights. I was just going to say Freddie Anderson's coming off two weeks of not playing. And then he's sitting upstairs in, in a Rogers place, watching his two backups go one shutout, two shutouts. Pressure's on him, and when Freddie Anderson sees that Oilers crest, he knows it's going to be a good night. Now in his career, 15-1-2 against Edmonton, which is just uh, pretty impressive numbers there. 925 save percentage to match it. I thought he was fantastic, BMAC. I thought he was too, and I think more for Anderson, it was a wait and see, see how he feels. Obviously, Matthews was was having that lingering, nagging wrist injury, but clearly he he looked sharp as ever. With Anderson, I think 
he could have probably even had last night off and gone tonight. I mean, considering they're playing the second of a back-to-back, it's going to be some movement. They probably left late last night for Vancouver, but it's going to be quite the turnaround now, guys. So I'd imagine since Campbell's not ready to go, they'll roll with Hutchinson tonight. But it's it's certainly going to be a uh, a tall task for for Anderson to start a significant amount of games going forward, and they're going to need him to be fresh and healthy for for the postseason when they need him the most. I personally would be surprised if we didn't see Hutchinson tonight. I think that coming off the injury, it just makes sense. Vancouver is a team that's, let's uh, say, not as offensively gifted as some of the other teams in the Canadian division. They've really struggled putting the puck in the back of the net this year. It just makes sense to me to give your starting goaltender a night off and not ride him on back-to-backs coming out of the injury. One piece of commentary that was dominant coming into this season was going to be the Maple Leafs' depth scoring. And the fact that when you have so much money tied up into the three or four players that you're going to have difficulty filling out the bottom end of the lineup. I thought this series was a really clear indication that the competition level for those bottom six spots in the forward groups has created an internal competition where all these players aren't guaranteed a place in the lineup. And regardless of who they seem to plug in, they are getting production out of these guys. Uh, Jason Spezza was a guy last night who got, as Ross was saying before the prior to uh, us coming on the air here, three assists last night for him. I think the line of Engelvall, Hyman, and Mikheyev has looked dominant at times, just getting the puck in net or getting the puck in deep rather and dominating the forecheck, tiring out the other team. This has been a storyline that I'm taking away from this three game set where Toronto has been able to get that secondary scoring even when the top guys aren't going. And that's going to be really important for them moving down the stretch here. Well, that ties into the narrative of, with the Edmonton Oilers, right? When McDavid isn't gelling, when Drysaddle isn't cooking. They got nothing. The, the depth team doesn't know what to do. The, the, the rest of the players are like, well, you know, you run our offense. Uh, but with the Leafs, especially you alluded to it in bottom six, Jason Spezza, two beautiful feeds to VC last night. A guy who I was harping on big time. I thought he should have been subbed out for a guy like Alex Galchenyuk, who I'm surprised we haven't seen yet in the bottom six. He's dominating in the AHL. Yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> I guess that'll, that'll bolster something. But, I mean, this is good for VC. I mean, the, the, the weight was weighing on him for sure. And uh, I'm sure the, the uh, grip on the stick was getting a little tight too. So this was huge for him. And, again, he uh, had two beautiful feeds. I think even uh, Ken should, could have finished those off as well. Not likely, but... <laughs> So Ross certainly could have. No, no chance for me. But we got to talk about Jason Spezza now. Almost Boy. now, so close to a uh, a full season in Toronto. Eighty-one games played, and he's got forty points, making league minimum. So just what he brings. And earlier in his career, obviously, I grew up in Ottawa, so I'm I know the Jason Spezza that's putting up 90, 100 points a season. This version of Spezza, and you always knew he was a smart hockey guy. There's no chance he won't be involved in management once his career concludes. But he's evolved his game to be this defensively reliable, strong in the faceoff circle, 200-foot center. And then you still see the flashes of brilliance, that vintage fake slap shot, pull the goalie out of position and finish strong. He's been doing that that for 20 years, guys. (laughs) Like He's probably scored more goals doing that than half of these young guys have in their entire career. So just the longevity from him and the fact that he can still produce at a high level is so impressive at 37 years old. Hey, what'd you guys think about McKayev and McDavid little skills competition last night? That was, I think that was full speed McDavid. No, I mean, that was a foot race. Yeah, yeah. certainly it was, but, but it's been documented this season. Like I've referred to McKayev as a runaway train. 
because of his top end speed and his inability to control and finish as it seems. So not surprised that he was able to compete. I was actually tweeting out in the game the other night that I wanted to see Mikheyev in the fastest skating competition, watching him just zip around the ice. And certainly he'll get some notoriety after that clip with McDavid. Now, is he certainly a faster skater than McDavid? Like nine times out of 10, probably not. You see what Connor's able to do with the puck at full speed. That's what separates him from the rest of the league. But certainly on that line, at least, Mikheyev, Engaval, and Hyman have had some success. They were able to bang in a couple goals last night. I was really happy for Zach Hyman last night after Mike Smith was just being uh, a piece of work. Yeah, Yeah, he's being a piece of work in between the Edmonton pipes and ultimately puts his team in a bad spot by taking the penalty. And then Hyman's able to get the greasy one late in the third period right in the crease. So suck on that one, Mike Smith. (laughs) Well, I mean, hey. Hyman has the ability to to play up and down the lineup, and you know Keith was really really forcing that McKayev, Nylander, and Tavares line. But man, quite the spark for Engvall and McKayev. They they've really uh, made it a whole new look for that line. I think that's probably the most impressive thing as well. Sheldon Keith was sticking with those guys. I had automatically assumed that when Matthews came back, Hyman would likely slot in back on the second line to try to jumpstart Tavares and Nylander. You know, Keith sticks to his guns, puts that checking line back out there. And this has been an aspect of the game that's been missing for this team for the last several seasons was having a definitive checking line who can make it hard on the other team, tire them out. And then by the third period, you just don't want to see them anymore because they're just going to win the one on one puck battles in the corners. They're going to be physical in the corners and they're going to make it hard on the other team. That's exactly what they were able to do last night. Um, I think another offseason addition, TJ Brody has looked outstanding. And I thought this series was a great showcase of his abilities. Last night, you see him in the one-on-one with Leon Dreisaitl, and he just kind of calmly goes down, blocks Dreisaitl's move, and clears the puck out. And I just thought was the, that was the epitome of what we've seen out Brody this season, a stabilizing presence on the back end, a, a very solid partner for Morgan Riley, and he's just consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him on a night-in, night-out basis. He's not always going to jump off the score sheet, or he's not going to have the highlight reel attached to him. But that's exactly what you like about his game. We talk about it so much. If you don't notice a defensive defenseman on the ice, that probably means they're just doing everything right. And that's why I've seen out of TJ Brody this year, or what I haven't seen out of TJ Brody this year is the glaring mistakes that we've seen from Jake Gardner, or yeah, Jake Gardner on the mind, from Morgan Riley's partners in the past. And not the best partners historically. Cody Franzen, Cody Ron Hainsey, a player that uh, Ross knows a little thing thing or two about. And oh, you know yeah. what? It's it's funny you mention that too because you know a lot of people have been kind of on Riley for not you know producing at a, at a high pace. But I think it's Riley more kind of feeling that much more comfortable because of the bolstered back end, right? Brody has been excellent on on shutting down big superstars like McDavid and and of course Muzzin too. So I think it's just shoring up the back end. And, and letting Riley be Riley, but not anchoring the back end completely solo. Well, it allows them to have a kind of more of a two-way presence as well, because yeah. you, you found a, a straight-up shutdown pair with found money and Justin Hall coming in and has seemingly just excelled his game so much since being paired with the steady presence of Jake Muzzin. So with those two guys shutting down McDavid, by the way, McDavid just went three games without a point. It's tied for the longest stretch of his career. Uh, October 2019 is the only other time he's gone three games, and it's all against the same opponent, which just adds to how impressive that is with Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin being out there for almost every one of those minutes at even strength. I was joking around on our Twitter account after 
the win that McDavid sort of had the thousand mile stare in the press conference. And then he was still just thinking about Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin. But these guys have looked outstanding when they're playing together on the ice. They've been a definitive shutdown tandem for this Leafs team and part of the revamped back end. And it's kind of found money for the Maple Leafs, as you know, we talked about how, you know, the former coach didn't like to play Jason Spezza very much. Well, the former coach also didn't like to play Justin Hall. I believe he only sniffed around for eight or nine games in an 81 game season. 71 time healthy scratch. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is outrageous. And then when you look at what he's been able to do when put with a strong partner in Muzzin, he's become a very important part of the top four for this Maple Leafs back end where you can put him out there in all the situations. I'm always surprised by how well he's able to move the puck and just break the puck out efficiently out of the defensive zone when he gets it on a stick. He makes the smart pass. And I think that that's, again, we get, we tout DJ Brody for doing it all the time. Justin Hall's really slotted in really nicely on that back end. Um, one other aspect I want to touch on before we move to around the league has been is the Maple Leafs power play. And probably one of the least or least rated, most underrated, however you want to say it, acquisitions of this offseason was the Leafs adding Manny Malhotra. Now, diehard Maple Leaf fans and like in this market, you know, that got a little bit of play. But I've been so impressed watching this power play adapt as the season goes along, particularly coming off that series against Calgary, where I believe they went 0 for 11 on the power play because they just sort of became predictable. They became a little bit stagnant, a little bit sedentary. Well, clearly, Mel Holtra shook it up because on all the power plays last night, you know, they got a couple of power play goals. Good to see Tavares find the score sheet from his office. Nice little pass from Joe Thornton there to find him in in the low slot there. And he just buries it. I've been so impressed watching this power play and the unpredictability of it last night. It seems like you never knew where the shot was coming from. You see Riley shooting it from the point. You see Matthew shooting it. Tavares is finding in the slot. You see Marner coming in on the weak side and taking a shot. That's puck movement and that unpredictability is what's going to make this power play click. And then when you get that cooking, that's when you're going to be able to find Austin Matthews in his office for that patented one-timer that goalies can't seem to figure out. I've been so impressed watching the team adjust to other teams' adjustments, if that makes sense. And that's all on Mal Holtra, who was brought in to revamp this power play that was already one of the top in the league last season. And it's wave after wave of attack. I mean, in past years, it was so top power play heavy with all the big guns on there. And then, you know, the second unit wouldn't really generate much. But now, you know, Mal Holtra and Keefe have orchestrated in a way where you're always going to get production. And, you know, he's not afraid to, to throw on depth guys to, to pair with the big dogs. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it hasn't really meshed together that well. But he's taking these chances and he's taking these these risks that Babcock would never do. And I think this is, is ultimately changing the, the team style. Well, I feel like it's pretty impressive that uh, he's doing as well as he does on power play. Because I don't think he was much of a power play guy himself when he played. More of a defensive-minded <laughs> Win face-offs yeah, and get off the ice type guy. But you're looking at improvements in the face-off circle as well. I think that's his, his biggest attribute. And, uh, I mean, also having Spezza there winning 55% helps. But as a team, just when you're when you're as skilled as the Leafs, it's all about getting the puck on, the, on your stick initially. And what better way to do that than off the initial face-off? Yeah, they're hounding pucks defensively a lot better as well. But they're, they're just creating so much for themselves with those extra possessions. So, yeah, I can't uh, speak enough about how he's been doing behind the bench for his first year. Huge opportunity for Toronto against the Canucks this evening. Let's move to around the league.
All right, we'll start in the division. The Montreal Canadiens firing their goaltending coach after the struggles of Carey Price so far this season. Um, Mark Bergevin naming naming um, Sean, Sean Burke. Burke. Sean Burke is the replacement for Stefan Waits, who gets dismissed in a weird move following the second period of the game on Tuesday. What do you make of Bergevin dismissing the goalie coach mid-game? Yeah, weird. So Bergevin's comments on on the firing was that Price needs help. And everyone has been been on Price and saying, obviously, he's not a premier goaltender like he was eight, ten years ago. He's not. It, it's it's a fact. But it's still Carey Price. I think, I think it was a wrong move. And again, like the firing of Claude Julien, it was a reactionary impulse move. I mean, see, see, Stefan Waite was... You know, how long was he in, in the organization for? 2012. So, yeah, upwards of nine years. Long time. And at some point, are, are you going to just blame it on a secondary figure or are you just going to place the onus on Price? But they're not because he's their, he's their franchise piece and he gets paid the most. So I think it was just a, a from-the-top move and a disappointing move because I know how much uh, Stefan Waite meant to that organization. When I look at this as well, I, this reeks to me of Mark Bergevin getting the pressure from ownership and yeah. looking over his shoulder. Like the firing of Julian reeked like that to me. This reeks like that even more. He says he's trying to give Carey Price help. I think what he's really trying to do is save his bacon and save his job. And he understands that neither it's not going to happen if Carey Price keeps playing with a sub 900 save percentage and the team keeps sliding. Like Bergeman right now, how long has he had to turn this team around? I believe he was hired around the same time as Ross was saying before. It's been eight or nine seasons now that he's been at the helm. And the team has made you know one berth to the Eastern Conference Finals. But outside of that, for the large part, they haven't had very much success. So at this point, Bergevin has to feel like he's on the hot seat. And he's really just firing all the last bullets that he has in the chamber, which are making organizational changes to the coaching staff to see if that can um, hunk, give that the quick... Uh, jumper cables onto the onto the goaltender and onto the rest of the team to get them jump started here because they've looked absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I think this is gonna be the last head coach that Bergevin gets to hire and last goalie coach who he actually hired. So Bert just shows how long Bergevin has been there. His offseason was great though by all accounts. You look at Toffoli with 13 goals, Josh Anderson is a, a huge piece right now. I think he's got nine or ten. So those guys coming in Joel Edmondson leads the entire National Hockey League in plus minus or he's still right there at the top. So I think from that aspect, Bergevin's like, look, I did all I could Jake Allen as well. Why aren't I seeing returns when it comes to the bottom line? Yes. These individual players are having success, but right now I think they're on a stretch where one or two wins now in their last 10 games, that's a free fall from being right head neck and neck with the Leafs for the better part of the first uh, dozen games. And on a note of goaltenders, how about Andre Vasilevsky? Ridiculous. Shutouts. I mean, you know, Tampa is, is obviously going to get buried because the Leafs don't play them in the Atlantic Division as much. But, I mean, man, they're still rolling neck and neck with the Canes for top spot in the Central. You know, as a goalie guy, Ross, like, when you're feeling it, you're feeling it, I guess. I mean, he's been unstoppable. Yeah, I think he's already health uh, pending and obviously knock on wood, but he's already got that Vezina Trophy all wrapped up second time. He won it in 2019, Hellebuck last year. But you go right back to Vasilevsky. I saw a stat NHLPR tweeted out yesterday that it's only the second time in league history that a goalie has shut out his opponent that he beat in the Stanley Cup finals the year before. So wow. two of those three shutouts coming against a Dallas team that's been offensively skilled as well this year, despite being shut down for as long as they were. They've got weapons, and 
Vasilevsky just up to the task. He's uh, I think he's 14, two and one himself this year. He's, he's just a star athletic. His, his mental game's great. A goal doesn't rattle whenever he does let them in. Obviously it's been three games since that he knows that feeling. So I think if, if you've got the best team in Tampa and you have the best goalie in Vasilevsky, it's a pretty dangerous combo and just speaks to why they're the defending Stanley cup champions. Zdeno Chara makes his return to Boston last night after captaining the team for 14 seasons, obviously helped them win the Stanley Cup back in 2011. I felt kind of bad for Chara in this sense that his return had to be to an empty arena. Yeah, because like this is one that the place would have been going absolutely nuts if he had returned and there was fans in the stands. Obviously, you know, at whatever point he makes his first return back when fans are allowed that it'll be a similar thing. I would be surprised if the organization doesn't do a, a secondary tribute. Cause that's ultimately who it's for. It's for the player, but it's also for the fans to recognize his accomplishments wearing the, wearing the crest that's on the front of the Jersey, but still a nice, uh, nice move, which has really become commonplace for these organizations to show tribute to a guy who's meant so much to the organization. Yeah. I mean, there's so many instances this year where you'd say, Hey, how, how would that have, you know, materialize if there were fans in attendance, you know, Stutzler's first NHL goal against the Buds, place would have erupted. Leafs come back against Columbus, place would have erupted. And maybe they'll do a little part two for uh, Big Z when fans are allowed to come back in some form and give him the, the tribute that he so rightly deserves. Should we head to the bar for a bevy? Time for a Moscow Mule, baby. <laughs> got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride. All right, I seem to be picking a lot of Toronto Raptors to be drinking at the bar recently, but that trend is going to continue now. Uh, I'm going to pick Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell who are going to be at the bar um, last night's obviously a number of the Raptors entering the COVID-19 protocol. I believe they were without Siakam and Anobi uh, in addition to Fred Van Fleet, among other players, but those are the three biggest ones who they were without and they lose to a Pistons team who's in the bottom of the Eastern conference, despite I believe uh, Fred and Norm combined for 71 points, something to the tune of that. So a huge game from the two of them, but they're going to have to play similarly to that again tonight as it's likely going to be the same lineup and they're going to be playing against much more difficult opposition in a Boston Celtics team that has aspirations to come out of the Eastern Conference. Well, I'll go with their ex-coach, Dwayne Casey. I mean, coaching the worst team in the Detroit <laughs> Pistons. I like to have a drink boys, at like, least. You guys are watching raps all the time, producing game day. And man, like the Pistons weren't missing. They were shooting from distance. They were like seven of nine from deep. And obviously you know, the Raps were missing their their coach and a bunch of key players. But, man, what a feeling that must be for Dwayne Casey to to get a win against your former team. And, wow, I mean, they I just – it was crazy because they had a – I think it was like 19-5 to start, and then they just completely blew it. So, Casey's probably having a few uh, a few stiff uh, – well, whatever he enjoys. I don't know, some some sort of libation, maybe a beer or uh, some, some whiskey or something. I feel like those are both very Detroit bevies. <laughs> A beer, like a scotch on the rocks. Yeah. Ross, next time you're at the library bar, ask for a Roscal mule. 
And no, forever allowed back, but I'll, I'll absolutely <laughs> mind. Uh, what? Who do you got drinking at the bar this week, Roscoe? I'll go with Zach Parise. I think that guy needs a drink big time. Healthy scratch for the first time in his career, and it came off the heels of uh, you know just a just a leader trying to be unselfish, but it comes back to bite them. Marcus Foligno with a two goal performance had never had a hat trick, so Zach Parise tells him, he says, "Hey, I'm going to get you one." If they pull their goalie, they're playing the Vegas Golden Knights. That's dangerous already with the amount of star power they have. But it's 5-4. The net's empty. Parise has a, a possibility to skate it out here and maybe get an easy tap and end the game. He tries to force a pass to Marcus Foligno. Play goes the other way. It's in the back of their net. He's the GOAT in this one. And uh, I think he needs a drink here to get himself back on track. But... I think he's buying, even though he needs to drink. The guy signed a $98 million contract. So, yeah, you feel bad he's a healthy scratch, but I think he'll be okay. All right, let's go to Tweet of the Day. All right, I'll start. I'll go with Adam Wild, at Adam Wild. And it was in response to NHL player safety releasing uh, Chase on one-game suspension when he cross-checked Jimmy Vc at the very end of the game. Uh, it was easily missed, but he goes... First time since 2013 that anyone has been suspended for an act against the Leafs, probably because the Leafs didn't really make anyone angry that entire time. And really, I mean, after 2013, when they had that, I believe Joe Bowen coined it the Winnipeg Blue Bombers line. It was Fraser McLaren, Colt Orr, and Jay McClement. But ever since then, <laughs> no one was going after guys. I mean, we even saw a few times, I think it was last year, Barry got rocked at center ice and Matthew's just kind of like, eh, whatever, not going to mess around yeah, with that. Yeah, Petrie, so, I think, was the one that killed him. Thank you. Yeah, he just rocked him. And uh, just there's no pushback. And clearly now with the additions of Wayne Simmons and a lot of grit glue guys, they've certainly bol- bolstered their, their grit game. Well, Wayne Simmons was the big one, and people will circle him as willing to drop the gloves. He's done it a couple times this season already, and obviously a big uh, big part missing out of the lineup. But I think this is just a team toughness thing, and they seem to have come into that a little bit. I think that's a maturity that comes along with older players. But they are certainly uh, standing up for each other out there. They're being harder to play against in the corners. And just like all around, I feel like that translates to people taking less liberties, but Nice to see that the NHL, or George Peros, the NHL safety is uh, taking notes for a change. Uh, I'm going to go with a tweet from Thomas Drance, at Thomas Drance. Imagine the Maple Leafs. They're good, right? Now imagine they hadn't let Mark Hunter set their 2017 and 2018 draft class on fire while Lou Lamorello overcommitted to Marlowe and Zaitsev, costing the team real assets, including Seth Jarvis. I think about this oftentimes. Like looking back at the draft class and obviously the Galchenyuk tra- trade with him coming in and them sending out uh, Igor Korshkov, their first round pick from about, I believe it was uh, the draft five years ago. And really for nothing in return, a player that you could have picked up off waivers. They basically were just clearing roster spots, getting some contracts off the roster with that trade. And you never like to see that your first round picks. Um, people were clamoring for Mark Hunter to get the GM job the in its entirety when it was happening and people were pretty pissed off about the fact that Kyle Dubas ended up getting it. Uh, I think all Dubas's moves now in a, in a season where you can definitively say that this is his roster that he constructed have seemed to have worked out and you can say what you want about paying the big guys, like a lot of money. Well, awesome. Matthews and Mitch Marner have been worth the money in those contracts. So William Nylander now starting to heat up, looks like he's going to be worth the money on his contract. So really the only guy that you're waiting for is Tavares. Who's basically been a point of guy, 
point per game guy this season or just shy of that so far. So I think it's been really impressive and imagine what it could have been if uh, they just had those, if they hadn't had to ship out first round picks and such, or, you know, bring back for CC in return for Zaitsev. Like what, what could have been in years past as well. So something to think about, but we'll take refuge in the fact that the team has been performing at a high level this season. Kind of, there's a story in the tweet that I'm reading right now. I don't know if it's the game <laughs> material, but read it o- out. Ovechkin with a five thousand dollar fine. Did you see that he tried to perform uh, a, a surgery? I'll say, yeah, that's the he one. Tried to perform a vasectomy <laughs> on yeah, Trent Frederick. Players, yeah, player. and Trent Frederick tried to fight him earlier in the game, and Ovi is just having none of it. Kind of looked at him like, "Kid, what are you doing? This is the National League. I, I make the rules here." And uh, I'll decide whether I want to punch a kid 10 years younger than me, Alas Svechnikov. But, uh, yeah, he, he told Frederick not now. And then later on they had a little back and forth. And uh, Ovi, wow, the the wood chop uh, of all wood chops. I don't know. I don't Paul know. Trent, Phil Castle would be proud. Yeah, Trent Frederick's not going to be feeling too <laughs> great right now. No, it, uh, like I was laughing seeing the Frederick play because I felt like he kind of dropped the gloves. I don't know if he knew it was Ovechkin or not. You had to have known it was Ovechkin, right? But he was kind of like had his head buried and came up and kind of grabbed the jersey. You know, Ovechkin was just standing there like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Like, I'm not dropping the gloves with you right now. Like, and like the guy was just sort of like, all right, and just kind of skated off the ice. But Ovechkin obviously uh, came back later with the uh, swift chop right to uh, the nether region. So, if you haven't seen that, go uh, look up the clip on Twitter. Pretty brutal, but I feel like uh, Ovechkin, $5,000 fine, a drop in the bucket for him. I'll always uh, make sure I mention the Sabres quickly, Kenny. How about Dylan Cousins dropping the mitts? I mean, that just shows you. If your rookie has to drop the mitts, Buffalo Sabres are just in complete shambles. We know that, but that's a little embarrassing too. I mean, this guy was a stud in the World Juniors, and you know he's known for his flair and his skill, and it's going to look good. Ownership and coaches are going to like that, but – Man, if you're the players, it's like we can't let our our 19 year old rookie be dropping the mitts against NHL caliber players. I mean, what he was, he was chucking them pretty good, though. He was no, he, it was a decisive fight, but wow, <laughs> like that'd be the equivalent of uh, you know Hyman in like 2016, like dropping the mitts in his first couple of games, but or maybe well, it's like your first round pick, right? It'd be, it'd be yeah. like uh, like you you don't want that really. Like your guys no. who is going to be a cornerstone in your franchise. Like it's like anytime Crosby drops the gloves or anything like that, you're like scared he's going to break a knuckle and then miss four to six weeks. Exactly. I heard that Toronto's going into the gray zone soon. So I don't really know what Whoa. that means for us, but it sounds like less intense than the red zone. Yeah. yeah. Red zone just has a, an aura about it. And what's it been since November 17th? Holy. If you're watching the red zone on a Sunday, you need to be locked in. Because it's a lot. There's a lot of touchdowns going on. If you're in the red zone, anybody who's lived in the GTA, it's just been so boring. There's been nothing to do. So hoping that uh, the numbers continue to trend down, and we'll see what happens in the near future here. Uh, thank you to listening, to listening to episode 27 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network, brought to you by DraftKings. Follow us on Twitter, at Ken Sapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And last but not least, at Send Central for our guest, Ross Levitan. Thanks for joining us again today, Ross. Appreciate it. Hey, take care, guys. Always a pleasure. We'll catch you next time.